So this message is the third in the Holy Trinity. This is our God series that I've been doing. And today we're looking at God the Son. The Holy Trinity are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all equally God with different responsibilities and assigned role, but all, all their works are always intertwined. So we're going to look at the person of God the Son. He is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ is the only eternal begotten Son of God. He's sent from the Father, as John 8, verse 28 to 29 states, and he is our Lord's Saviour. So let me say this right now. No one can cover the person of Jesus, the Son of God, in 20 minutes. So this I'm going to try and do over two sermons, and I'm going to attempt to give you a broad overview. But I would encourage you to read the Gospels and the New Testament to find out more about him. Even in your whole lifetime, you will still find there is still much more to learn about him. John 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Son of God is eternal, existing before creation with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. However, at a specific point in time, he was born into flesh to become the man Jesus Christ, to rescue mankind from the domination of evil, sin and death. As a son of God, he was involved in creation and shares in eternal glory. He now exists as both God and man at God the Father's right hand. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has been given all authority from the Father. Within the Trinity, the Son is always obedient to the Father in every way. God sent his only begotten son, who acted only under his authority and will. God the Father confirmed that his son, Jesus, is God. In Hebrews 1, verses 8 to 9. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Just note in the the scriptures where there's capitals and yours, they talk about God. They talk about Jesus or God, the Holy Trinity. Some Bibles don't show that. You've really got to dig into some translations to see when they're referring to God. But this is an original quote from Psalm 45, verse 6 to 7. This is being re-quoted here. All creation was made for him and through him. He is the ultimate reflection of the triune God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus was the angel of the Lord, who spoke to Abraham, Hagar, and Moses, and led the Israelites through the wilderness. It was also Jesus who made every physical appearance of God in the Old Testament. The technical term is, is a theophany. You can look it up. I'm not going to explain it now. I haven't got the time. But moving on. Jesus was the prophet foretold by God's prophets in the Old Testament, as Acts 3, 22 to 24 states. Note the difference between Jesus and the other gods and prophets people follow. He is the only one who said he was God and would die for his creation to save us. Hebrews 4 from verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is our great high priest. He stands in the presence of God as our mediator. He has ensured we can have the ultimate fellowship and relationship with God. 1 John verses, chapter 2 from verse 1 and 2. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is our Redeemer and our Advocate. He intercedes for us before God the Father. Only the righteousness of Jesus covers and saves us from the impact, consequences, and separation from God sin causes in our lives. Daniel 7 from verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel foretells that Jesus, the Son of Man, will be given dominion and God's eternal kingdom. Like God himself, Jesus goes by many names, and titles of which I will mention a few. In the Gospel of John, Jesus teaches us seven I Am statements regarding who he is to mankind. I'm going to read this out for the sake of the recording online. I am the bread of life, as John 6, verse 35 41, 48, and 51 states. I am the light of the world, seen in John 8, verse 12. I am the door of the sheep, John 10, 7, and 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11, and 14. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25. I am the way and the truth and the life, John 14, verse 6. I am the true vine, John 15, verses 1 to 5. The Gospel of John wants to give a revelation of Jesus as the Son of God to its readers, showing why he is who he says he is. This Gospel also reveals Jesus is the Word, seen in John 1, verses 1 to 4, 
the Lamb of God, John 1, verse 29 to 36, the Messiah, John 1, 41 to 45, and the Son of God, John 1, 34, and verse 49. To get a more detailed breakdown on that, I would recommend you go back to David's preachings on the Gospel of John, where he goes into it step by step. But I'm giving you a very broad overview. Jesus is also known by these titles, the Son of Man, as we saw in Daniel, Emmanuel in Isaiah 7, verse 14, and Matthew 1, verse 23. The Saviour, across the Gospels, but I've chosen Luke 2, 11. The Lord, again, but I've chosen John 13, verse 13. High Priest in Hebrews 7, 23 to 28. Alpha and Omega in Revelations 1, 8. And King of Kings and Lord of Laws, Revelations 19, verse 16. Jesus has many titles. In Revelations alone, Jesus is noted with 19 names. However, there are always contrasts with Jesus' titles, like Jesus is the King of Kings, but he's also the Suffering Servant King. He is the High Priest, but he's also the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God, and he's also the Son of Man. And then the Prince of Peace, and then Faithful and True, now, I, tried to, I scoured the revelations to find a picture of Jesus as a warrior, but that is the only one. The Bible doesn't say warrior, but when, if you look up where that reference is, faithful and true, he is gearing up for war. That's the final battle right at the end, and we win. <laughs> David has mentioned previously, Elim operates under the principles of the four-square gospel of Jesus. This is something I've borrowed from Kensington Temple because I like the imagery but it shows him as saviour healer baptiser in the Holy Spirit and soon coming king so I'm going to look at two of these titles today and I'll look at the other two in the next preach because we couldn't get it all done in 20 minutes the first one we're going to look at is Jesus as healer healing was one of, key, one of Jesus' key aspects of his ministry while on earth and he still heals today. He brings reconciliation, healing from condemnation, guilt, hurts, and shame. Jesus' healings were not just physical. He also provided mental and spiritual healing. Acts 10, from verse 37. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus has authority and power to heal, which only God can do. When we come to Jesus, he fills us with his truth and power and sets us free. He healed people out of his compassion, love, grace and mercy towards them. His healings also point to his divinity and that he was definitely working through the power and direction of God. He healed the lame, the deaf, blind, demon-possessed people, leprous, diseased, sick, and he even raised the dead on more than one occasion. He healed the rift between man and God, reconciling us back to him through his sacrifice at the cross. Jesus began the ministry of reconciliation and continues this through his church even today. He showed the world that God's healing is found through God's love and grace towards us 
leading to repentance and forgiveness. Through Jesus, God healed the divide between Jew and Gentile. Jesus continues to heal risks between fighting factions and conflicting cultures, be it gender, race, ethnicity, geographical location, and will continue to do so until his return, where all fighting and conflict will cease forever. Jesus was also willing to heal those who came to him, and those who came to him firmly believed he would heal them. Some even believed if he just spoke healing, it would be done. Jesus completes healing in every part of a person's life and restores our relationship with God, our broken personalities and releases us from bondages, our health and physical ailments, and ultimately rescues us from eternal damnation. This is taken from Jack Hayford's Spirit-Filled Life Bible. The second one I'm going to look at is Jesus as baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist declared that it would be the one that follows him that will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus he was announcing. To experience this baptism into the Holy Spirit, we must come to Jesus. John 1, verses 33 to 34. This is John the Baptist talking. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist hasn't met him, yet he's testifying that the one that comes after him is going to be the Son of God. Jesus spoke about sending the Holy Spirit in the Gospels and at his ascension instructed his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Acts 1 from verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when you have come together, they asked him, Lord, will you come at this time, restore, or at this time, restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus is our empowering Lord through the Holy Spirit. By this empowerment, we are given strength and abilities beyond ourselves, and Jesus continually fills us with the Holy Spirit when we need more of his strength and encouragement or for particular purposes for God. Let me just stop there and clarify empowering. I know at the moment lots of people see power as either wealth, status. Back in the day it was how many sheep you had, how many servants you had. But when God gives power, it's not for you to use. It's for you to use for others. Jesus didn't use his power for himself. He used his power to help others, to show the kingdom of God was here. He's still showing his power in that same way to show the kingdom of God is here. So don't look at it being that you're going to be like Superman, that you're going to have superpowers. He makes the practical, you know, he makes the practical even more practical. He makes the impossible possible. That's where you see his power. Not for you having a cape and being able to fly. (laughs) Through the Holy Spirit, God completes his work of sanctification to set us apart for his purposes. 
and enable us to walk the path God sets us. We will cover Jesus as Saviour and coming King next time. But a quote, a bit behind there, a quote from C.S. Lewis. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It is a great privilege to be called a son of God. That goes to you ladies, it's a masculine thing, but it covers both men and women here, that you're children of God. You're not the only begotten son of God, but you're a child of God because of what Jesus done for us. As a man, Jesus experienced tiredness, hunger, sorrow, temptation, and pain. He faced all these challenges, yet did not sin or disobey his father's will. His perfect sinless life would atone for our sins on the cross, defeating the enemy, sin, and death once and for all. His character, words, teachings, actions, miracles, and the testimony of many, both followers and unbelievers, so Jesus truly to be the Son of God. First reference, John 8, verse 58. The disciples declared he was the son of God when he walked on water and calmed the sea in Matthew 14, verse 33. Simon Peter declared it, was, declared it when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am, in Matthew 16, verse 16. And even a Roman centurion at Jesus' crucifixion declared, surely he was the son of God, in Matthew 27, 54. You may say his followers made it all up. I say the facts say otherwise, as every disciple, apart from John, directly involved with Jesus, who provided eyewitness accounts of what he did before and after his resurrection, were killed for their faith in him. Even unto death, they did not deny him. And John endured poisoning and imprisonment rather than deny the Son of God. Jesus was and still is fully human and fully God. He never ceased being the eternal God, the creator and sustainer of all things, and he is the source of eternal life. Jesus truly is the Son of God, the perfect expression of God in human form. His godly and human natures are distinct, but completely unified in one person. While he walked on earth as a man, he remained completely divine, righteous, and fully God. So you may think, Colin, you keep repeating yourself. I have to. Because you have to get it. The Son of God was truly man. He was truly God. If he wasn't, his sacrifice would not have been acceptable for what he did for us. Because we've had so many things in the past with people saying, well, Jesus... Well, I'll come on to that now. I'll go ahead of myself. Let's finish. Some key points to remember. He existed with the Trinity before creation. Both the Old and New Testaments testify that Jesus is the Son of God. At a particular point in history, he was born as a man, but remained fully God. He lived the perfect, sinless life and did things only God can do. He announced a new age of God's kingdom. He fulfilled every Testament prophecy regarding the Messiah. And Jesus had many titles, as I've only given you a sample but he has these titles because he's worthy of them. But more importantly, he has these titles because he loved us even unto death. Here are three ways people may look at Jesus. Those who believe he was just a man and not God. 
those who believe he was a man, but an anointed man of God, like a preacher, someone that had an anointing, the spirits of God was moving through. And then the final one, those who believe he was a man and is God. A key question asked by many over the ages, is Jesus really who he says he is, the son of God and God himself? He is both. And your answer to this simple question is key to your walk with God and your salvation. Jesus is real. And people are still encountering him, even today, as many of us here and many parts of the world will testify to. He did die, and he did rise again, and he is alive forevermore. So can I ask you, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? And will you follow him? My last verse. Romans 10 verses 9 to 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the, one, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I pray, whatever way you look at Jesus, that you seek more of an encounter and experience with him and allow him to show you who he truly is and reveal his will and way to your hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.